Men's mental health matters. Live life with an outback mind. Thanks so much for joining in, guys. Episode 209. Today, a very, very important conversation with Mr. Graham Hood. Uh, a lot of you may have uh, seen Graham's uh, post last year about uh, losing his job as a Qantas pilot. Uh, he was a Qantas pilot for 32 years. He's been a pilot for 53 years. Um, really a, a guy from the School of Hard Knocks. Uh, and uh, wears his heart in his sleeve, primarily. So... Graham uh, was very vocal around uh, not being vaccinated and, and the reasons why, um, you know, and that has certainly spread um, throughout Australia and to be able to, you know, uh, raise a little bit of awareness around forced vaccination. So Graham and I are going to have a pretty passionate conversation about all that today, his own journey and uh, where he's sort of going with this moving forward. So really appreciate you listening and really appreciate your feedback. If you'd like to send me some, uh, support at outbackmind.org.au. If you'd like to help out the, the charity, the Outback Mind Foundation would be really grateful. We are a grassroots uh, charity. We don't really get any funding or anything. So any support appreciated. Just jump on the website, outbackmind.org.au. Thanks for listening in. And uh, again, really appreciate your feedback. G'day, Graham. How are you? Good, Aaron. How are you doing? Right. Very, very grateful for the chat, mate. And uh, I only met you briefly uh, last week. And, um, uh, mate, you know, I really admire what you're doing. Um, uh, I, I first saw your post uh, almost a year ago now. It might have been over a year ago now with regards to, you know, uh, your reasons around, um, you know, wanting to keep your job but not being able to keep your job primarily, which is, you know, pretty soul-destroying and, now, I think you were working for the one organisation for 30-odd years and um, and that was sort of taken away from you. Yeah, pretty much so. Well, it, I had to give it up, basically, because I valued my health more than the, uh, more than the job. So, mm. Mm. yeah, it, wasn't, it, was a, it was a pretty straightforward choice, really. Yeah. Mate, just quickly, has it been something you've always done? Have you always valued your health all your life? Look, I've, I've just been pretty blasé about it. I, you know, I've uh, I've never been a health nut. Um, I've never been, you know, other than I've got to pass a medical every. I used to have to pass one every year to keep my license, and uh, after sixty, you've got to do it every six months. So health became more important as I got older. But I was, yeah. you know, I wasn't a fanatic in any way. But um, and I've always, you know, I'd always been pretty much vaccinated throughout everything. I was. I wasn't uh, all that flash with flu shots. I had one once, and it uh, it didn't serve me very well at all. It made me crook. Mm, yeah. So um, yeah, I you know I've just been pretty average with my approach to health, and it's uh, starting to get even more. Uh, I'm starting to focus more on it now, of course, with all the energy that we're expending and um, and getting older and everything that's going on around the world. I think our immune system's the most important thing we can have at the moment. Absolutely agree with you, mate. For sure, it's it's probably something that we weren't really educated on. We'll we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll touch on that a bit more, mate. But but really interesting your, your own journey. Uh, you were a, a you know knockabout young kid that left school at thirteen, and uh, I'm fascinated. Yeah. Um, you know because when I was a knockabout young kid, I thought I had to have these grades um, and that to be successful. And for, to see someone like you that had that sort of background and become a you know a, a pilot of fifty three years and you know worked for a, a major airline for thirty two years is pretty incredible. 
Yeah, I, uh, school and I never really worked out for some reason. It was, um, I, I guess I came from a pretty dysfunctional family at that time and, um, and I, I just always felt like a bit of a loner and school, school and I just didn't get on. Um, I got sick with rheumatic fever um, when I was just after I turned 12 and I was off school for six months. And at that time, my mum and dad were living in a caravan, in a little 15-foot caravan, and I grew up in that. And uh, when they went off to work, uh, both working, I was left at home to deal with this rheumatic fever. And um, and so when I went back to school, I was so far behind the eight ball, I just couldn't see the point in going anymore. So... I decided I'd always wanted to fly, so I just went out and got work in order to pay for flying lessons, and I did it the hard way. Mm, mate, incredible, you know, and that that, that is um, so, you know, uh, salt of the earth, inspirational in its essence. It just goes to show that you can do anything, you know, um, for anyone listening here, whether they're young or old, to be able to turn their lives around and do something, you know, really proactive and positive is great. So, you know, feel uh, proud of yourself, mate. So that's, that's a tremendous thing. And I think, you know, you you were pretty passionate as a pilot. You know, you've probably got lots of great stories of people you've been able to, to help through your job and um, some of the great things you've done. And, um, you know, could you give us some examples of, uh, of some of the good things that uh, you remember from being a pilot? Yeah, well, I, I, uh, I've always had an interest in not things mechanical so much as things human. And I've... Um, I used to, uh, I used to, I was fascinated with the way humans work and the way we think and all that sort of stuff. And um, so I, I spent a lot of time in my later career mentoring younger guys. And um, I was involved in human factors training in the airline, which is basically uh, working with with pilots and cabin crew to communicate better in times of stress when there's an emergency situation on and come up with the best outcomes. And uh, that was very rewarding for me. And um, and there were a lot of other little personal milestones. Like I remember, I think it was after the second Bali bombing, carrying um, a heap of survivors out of uh, Bali late one night, and um, and just being able to tell them when the when the uh, forward door shut on the tarmac at Bali before we left it, I knew that they desperately wanted to get home, and I wanted them to know that they were home already because we'd shut the door and they're. They're sitting on a Qantas aircraft and that means they're in Australia and they all cheered and, um, um, yeah, there's been a lot of moving moments like that that I can remember and um, but basically just working with pilots. I flew a lot with co-pilots over the years who have now gone on to be captains and um, um, I've had the joy of some of them saying that they modelled their, their careers after mine and um, that helped them through and all that sort of stuff really is a really nice, I guess, frame around your career that you're able to support other people. And the reason I made my my uh, situation with Qantas public uh, in 2021 was because I felt somebody had to stand up to give the younger people who were coming through their careers a chance to finish them without being coerced and bullied into this ridiculous mandate situation. So mm. that was the driving force of me doing that. Yeah, mate. Incredible. <coughs> Well, we'll sort of get into that a bit more, but um, it's interesting, you know, I remember you saying that you'd spent eight years of your life living in, in hotel rooms. Yeah, that's right. That's right. When you add all the overnights up, it was eight years. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's it's not the best lifestyle. It's not the healthiest lifestyle. Mm. Was there any education to be able to, you know, from the employer to be able to manage your physical and mental health while you are away? 
No, not really. I mean, they, they they've always been into box ticking. You know, like they they uh, they they have occupational health and safety uh, regimes and routines that they uh, that they that they espouse to everybody. And there's you know there's little once a year courses you've got to do online. And but it's all box ticking because uh, when it, when push comes to shove, they um, uh, the corporate the corporate um, the corporate uh, function is more important than the function of the humans in the organization and it's um it's just so they can say in litigation that they did everything they could but no they, they weren't very supportive in all that in all that kind of thing it was just acting mm. um for example when um there are a lot of people who were uh who were sacked in Qantas on are you okay day which is something they always promoted and uh so on are you okay day last year they sacked a whole heap of people and and the way they did it was pretty meaningless and pretty pretty heartless. So, mm. no, nothing really, nothing you could say that the company did to really help you with your mental and physical health. Mm. Yeah, mate. What I'm hearing, and it's it's so common in in, in workplaces, is it's a reactive culture. You know, uh, we don't do much to prevent, our, um, you know, physical or you know, I suppose physical injury we do through OHS, but you know, the mental side of things is. It's very, very challenging. Um, you know, I know myself, I, I, I worked away a lot uh, and um, although I managed it okay, there was no education around that. But, um, but yeah, your nervous system does take a hit, you know, particularly for yourself if you're doing shift work and flying nights and those sorts of things. You'd be able to, you know, self-regulate is um, something which is, you know, not, not taught to us. But um, it'd be interesting. Like, did, did you have many challenges yourself mentally over the journey, do you think? Oh, you do. I mean, you suffer with fatigue because um, while they while they make a, a big noise about supporting your lifestyle and supporting your mental and physical health, the rostering system was left lots to be desired. I mean, it was nothing to to get home very late at night and have to sign on early the next morning and do that continually. Mm. So circadian rhythms were all over the place, and um, and and also um, you know you spend a lot of time alone in hotel rooms and. You, you associate with people, good people at work who are really acquaintances um, and, um, and, and it's very easy to fall into addictive habits. I had a, I had a pornography habit for many, many years which nearly destroyed me and um, it got me to a point in 2006 where I didn't want to live anymore and uh, thankfully and thank to God, thanks to God I'm over that now. But um, yeah, it was a pretty tough time and, and working away as you do, as you know, um, your family has to has to learn to function without you for chunks, big chunks of time. And when you come back, it's almost like you're superfluous to demand, and you're like the fifth wheel or the spanner in the works. And you throw everything into chaos while you're home, and everyone falls back into a normal lifestyle when you're gone, and that can really mess with your mental health. Yeah. Yes, yeah, mate. It happened to me, uh, you know, I, I didn't realise at the time what it was actually doing to me, but uh, but it actually really did. Like, yeah, you're right, it was probably nice and nice and smooth while I wasn't there. When I was back there, it was like a whirlwind, and then I took off again and everyone was happy, you know, possibly. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and, and, and my wife and I were really close, uh, you know, up until a period there, you know, where I was away quite a bit, and, and she had to put up with a lot, and I did see her change, you know, and that sort of led to us splitting up, but... Um, but yeah, there's no real, there's no real support or education around, you know, maintaining yourself and man, maintaining that family unit and how to do it proactively. Yeah, that's right, and that's why it's really important that we reach out to men and make them feel, 
make them understand what the real definition of hero is, not the mainstream media definition, and um, and and have them to see their value again. So I've spent a lot of time in the last few months as we tour Australia, calling men out, um, getting men to step into their into their legitimate manhood, which is based on the fact that. You know, they, they have what it takes to make this work, but nobody's ever shown us how to do it. We've never been mentored. Uh, many of us have been fatherless throughout our lives. Our fathers may have been there, but they didn't know how to guide us through in, from boyhood into manhood. Mm. And um, and now, more than ever, with the world going as nuts as it is, we need as brothers to stand up and support each other through this mental haze that we've been thrust into. You know, our loss of identity, all this stuff plays heavily on us and, you know, you, you look at guys in the rural community who were working farms that were handed down from generation to generation and, um, you know, corp- corporates, uh, corporates are robbing them of their identity with their farm and many of these guys are losing their properties and they feel this enormous sense of failure mm. and, um, and we've got to help guys to see that they haven't failed, that they've been set up by the... Um, by the global elite to actually fall into this mode and take them out of the family unit because if the family unit breaks down, the global elite have more power. Yes. So yes. we have to step back into the breach. Yeah, mate. I look. You know, it's 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 probably difficult for a lot of people listening to comprehend. But yeah, there's there's certainly a set agenda. You know, way back there that's uh, that's forcing forward and. Uh, you know these outcomes uh, are planned. There's, there's there's no doubt about that, and um, uh, you know we've just got to be mindful of that and cautious of that, and being able to you know stand in our truth. And you know with men primarily, we have been disempowered a lot. You know, uh, yeah. we need to be able to re-empower ourselves. Uh, you know through doing a bit of work individually, but also collaborating more. There's been so much division in life. You know over the last 20, 30 years to be separate and independent yeah. uh, in the way that you are uh, the, the way you perceive yourself and others and judgmental and critical and all that sort of stuff you know uh but for us to actually like be strong to be become compassionate and uh you know kind and 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 generous again uh, they're the they're the high levels of uh, awareness that we need to start to you know embrace rather than the uh the lower levels which they're basically indoctrinated into us i think yeah, well, that's right, and, and we've been brought up on a false sense of what hero is. We were all born as young boys uh, to be heroes. We, we always wanted to be the police officer or the soldier or the firefighter or the pilot or whatever. Um, we always wanted to fit that heroic mould, but many of, us, many of us now feel like we've fallen short of that because the expectations put on us by mainstream mm. makes that hard to achieve. So, uh, you know, we hold up sporting stars like Shane Warne. Um, Shane Warne, who, you know, was a good spin bowler and he used to get laid a lot and um, and he was a good gambler, but, um, you know, he's held up as the quintessential Aussie larrikin, but he spent the last 15 years of his life apologising to his kids mm. for his lack of presence. And, um, but, you know, we're, we hold people like Shane up as a hero and, and, and I'm, I'm really... I was uplifted to see his last uh, media interview before he died where he talked about the reality of who he really was and um, I think he was coming to terms with that. And, and you know, we uphold the um, rugby league captain who, uh, you know, scores the winning try in the grand final and then at the party that night glasses his girlfriend. Mm. Um, you know, but to me the real hero are the guys, the guys who turn up, the guys who 
for example, work 30 years in a menial job that they can't stand, but come home every day with a smile on their face because they know that their efforts have put bread on the table and educated their kids. Yes, yes. And, and that's, they're the people we should be upholding, not, not this fake uh, mainstream media view of hero. Mm. And if, if, we, if we live into that model, we can see that we all have that potential, we can all attain it, and we can all feel complete as men. And we've got to we've got to see political correctness for what it is. It's a way of it's a way of um, of shackling us to expectations that aren't real, that don't make any sense, and that don't achieve anything and don't produce anything. Because if if men stand in in that model of hero, if men stand with honour and integrity, they actually create a beautiful, safe environment for women and children to thrive in. And the male suicide rates go down if we do that, the domestic violence goes down, the addiction rates go down, and our society gets better because our families get better. The single parent family situation reduces. Yes. All these things are vital components to bring us back to a better society. Yeah. Mate, beautifully said and and, 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 and complete wisdom, you know. That that that's coming from the heart rather from the ego and the and the you know the uh, the I suppose the false agenda. It gets back to our truth again. You know, as as guys, you know, we we need to feel loved and supported and safe and secure. But when we don't, that's when we start yeah. to act out and we become domestically violent. We start to look for pornography and we start to you know drink more yeah. and yeah. we start to do all these things which which disconnect us. But at the same time, mate, you know. You look at the, 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 the agenda above it all um, and how that's trying to disconnect us. So I, uh, you know, 10 years ago, I, I started a campaign to get, you know, junk food and uh, alcohol and gambling advertising out of sport um, yeah. because I was watching the sport with my kids and all I saw was this programming of, you know, eating shit and drinking booze and that. And I'm thinking, well, that was like me when I was a kid and that was cigarettes and it hadn't really changed. So I started to stand up and I, I wrote uh, letters to organisations and before I knew it, I was on you know, every um, main media channel in Australia and newspapers in Australia and England and the UK and uh, the same place. But, um, but yeah, certainly uh, got a lot of exposure, but at the same time they were trying very hard to knock me down uh, and keep, yeah. keep me quiet because I was trying to tell the truth. You know, I'm saying, well, yeah. these kids, and, and, you know, I was one of them, are just trying to have fun and enjoy themselves and you're flogging you know, bad lifestyle behaviours to them, and that's just part of the you know the cycle of um, of poor health, which uh, which takes us away from our empowerment at the end of the day. Yeah, that's true. And and you touched on one word that we've really got to see for what it is, and that word is ego. Mm. Um, ego ego uh, often gets us to write checks that our integrity can't cash. And I realised that for many years of my life, I felt so wretched as a man that I had to perform. And my ego wasn't based on anything. Our pride and ego can be our biggest downfall. And the light bulb moment for me was when I became a Christian and I realised that I had nothing to offer without Christ. Mm. And so we're all just the same. We're all broke. We're all, um, we're all disjointed. We're all fractured in some way. And we've all got to realise that the, our ego, all it does is support uh, a sense of insecurity that we have in ourselves it doesn't really need to be there if we're just upfront and honest and admit to each other that we're we're just doing the best we can with what we've got so you know right now uh, the situation i find myself in since i made that video would have me on this pedestal that i would be relishing 
but I don't relish any of the lime mining that I'm getting at the moment. I've, I've realised now that I didn't need it. I didn't need it to justify who I was as a man. I'm doing it mainly because I've found myself as a voice for a whole lot of people who want me to keep talking to them, and I feel like that's the way that I get to serve my country as my dad did during World War II, and I never got an opportunity to do. So yes. I'm super, super glad right now that I've recognised what ego is all about and I've put mine in the back cupboard. Yes, yeah. Yeah, look, and from my observation, Graham, is that you're, you're, you're connected to your heart and you're working from that space, you know? Yeah. And everything, everything, when you, that, that's, that's the gift as humans that we don't actually understand and appreciate, uh, that, that when we start to operate from that space and everything comes, you know, everything happens for us uh, as, it, as it should. When we're forcing it uh, through the mind, then we uh, we usually get uh, kickbacks, which lead to consequences later on. But if you can come from yep. that space, you know, there's always um, tremendous outcomes, you know, consistently. So there's a huge lesson uh, in that for people listening to be able to sort of be more connected to what the heart's saying than what the head's saying uh, more often. Well, there's a lot of research that says that it, it almost describes the heart of ha- the heart as having a brain of its own. Mm. Um, yeah, the, when the heart, when you have a heart-brain connection, that's amazing. And, and it's like with Christianity, a lot of people study the Bible, study, 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 because they feel they need to do that to be saved. And they have a head full of knowledge, but not much of it gets to their heart. And if that kind of teaching doesn't get into your heart, it's ineffective. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't achieve anything. Yes. So the heart does more than just pump blood. Yes, absolutely. Think about it when you're a young fella at school, like you, you were disconnected with school. If, if there was um, conversations with you as a young fella about what you loved to do and they started to gear your life towards that, that would have been probably a bit more um, appetising for you to stay engaged rather than you know, disengaging. Exactly, exactly. Um, but when you, um, when you feel yourself that you're not going to measure up, when you feel that you haven't got what it takes to achieve your dreams, you tend to, you really have to fight hard to fight your way through that feeling of inadequacy to achieve what you really wanted to to achieve all your life. And I was able to do that because the dream was so strong in me. The desire to fly was based purely on the fact that I wanted to be in the sky. It had nothing to do with the potential income or the uniform Mm. or the the, uh, stature that come with it it was just some just the fact of getting into a machine and being able to get away from earth and get right up in the clouds was just really a passionate thing for me as a kid and um and it was that dream and the fantasies that went with it that sort of kept me going and kept me striving to do what i needed to do and it's still happening now mate you know it's happening now you you're you're actually doing something that you need to do and you've still got uh, you know, another 20 or 30 years in this planet to be able to, to live in that space, you know. Um, uh, it's such a gift to, to, to think about, you know, unfortunately with all the, the, the poor circumstances that have come, how, how much good's actually coming from it and how much, you know, uh, people will start to, I suppose, wake up from, um, from things that they maybe thought were, were correct previously, you know. Um, uh, and you know, I just think with regards to... Um, you know what you're doing. Um, you're going to get back in up into the air at some point in time. Have you have you flown since you left Qantas at all? Or oh, only for an hour with Johnny Lada. He's got a an old um, an old Air Force training plane uh, that he got for a song, and uh, we went up for a fly when we visited him in Chermit, and uh, he let me he let me fly it, and it was wonderful. I really enjoyed it. But 
Uh, I have no real desire to go back to flying again. It's, um, I, I, I'm grateful that I've seen the best of it. Um, I was in the, I, I reached the peak of my career at the tail end of its of its um, of its glory day. Mm. Um, it's now just become. We're now just numbers, and um, aviation has been an amazing lifter for the human spirit over so many decades. Mm. But now it's just become some throwaway commodity, uh, and especially now that we've got number crunches and corporate CEOs who are, you know, who can run an airline one day and then run a telecommunications company the next. I mean, it, uh, one of the things I'm looking forward to doing in the next few days is delivering my speech at the uh, Qantas Founders Museum at Longreach. Oh, really? Uh, and and to be able to stand there amongst the memorabilia of the men who built Qantas, the men and women who got Qantas to where, where it was before Alan Joyce destroyed it, mm. um, is an amazing experience. And I'm really looking forward to making some good relationships with the people at the museum. Yeah, mate, that's, that's incredible. You know, it's sort of a bit of a homecoming for you in, in many ways. And um, yeah, like to, to get back to the truth and the purpose of it all uh, is, is so incredible. You know, a couple of things that come to me there was, you know, I worked with organisations that were real, um, you know, heart, salt of the earth based that really loved uh, what they did and that's why it was successful. But then it got taken over by organisations or, or individuals which just had this different mindset and the solar place gets destroyed, you know. Yeah, and it, it all becomes about numbers and money and... Um and Alan Joyce is brilliant at uh, number crunching. He's a mathematician, mm. and um, but he seems to lack a soul when it comes to um, to nurturing the spirit of the people that give the give the corporate brand its real identity, the spirit of Australia. I mean, he's destroyed that. Yes. Uh, yeah. Make no mistake, he's absolutely destroyed it. Yes. Yep. Well, there's a big, um, you know, a big, big lesson in that for, for lots of people, you know. Are they going to be able to get that back? Who knows, you know. Uh, there's um, uh, unfortunately not many other options with regards to flying around Australia, but hopefully an airline will, uh, will start to get back to the roots of what it's all about and start to um, listen to their people more and, you know, do the right thing by their people. And I think your... Your um, ability to be able to stand up and talk about, you know, your own experience, but also the good that came from your experience as a pilot and everything around that, um, you know, the airtime uh, in its essence was only one component of all the good stuff you've been able to do, um, you know, in the job and outside the job. And, you know, mate, that, that, that's something to keep, um, you know, yourself connected to the, the, the good things you've done and, and uh, you know, the people that you helped and mentored on the way to be able to not only be better pilots but better people. And, you know, it's still happening now, mate. There's so many people that are going to, you know, connect with what you're doing and, uh, and get some awareness, which they may not have had previously. So, so what's the plan for you moving forward? Are you, you're sort of up, obviously up um, sort of North Queensland now touring around. What, uh, what have you got planned uh, moving ahead uh, as far as um, your speaking tours are concerned and, and maybe uh, into next year? Um, well, we, uh, we've got another three weeks to go on this tour and we'll be back home. We're heading out west once we leave Cairns. We're going through Charters Towers, out to Richmond, Hewan and Cloncurry, Mount Isa, back through Longreach, uh, Winton, Longreach, Barkhall and Blackhall, all, all points back towards Brisbane. Mm. Um, and then we need to spend some time regrouping at our farm and getting that up to speed and looking at other options. Um, there, there's another tour of New South Wales that people are wanting us to do and Tasmania as well. So there's a lot of things in the pipeline. But, you know, the world is so fluid, Aaron. Um, 
we can't um, we can't really forecast with any kind of certainty where we're going to be in a, next week, let alone uh, in next year. But it's, it's the one the one thing I achieve out of all of this is to help people see the value of faith, um, and also the value in themselves, not from a perspective of um, prosperity or whatever, but. I've been saying a lot of these meetings that there's not one person on the planet who's more important than anyone else. Yes. And I, I believe that at the core of my soul, I believe that's true and I believe that God wants us to understand that that's true. Yes. Um, you know, there's a line out of the movie, movie Rob Roy about Rob Roy McGregor, the Scottish hero, uh, where he's, uh, he's sitting on a, on a, he's sitting up in the, in the heather in the Highlands with his family having a picnic and he's, young son asks him what what is honor and he says honor is a gift a man gives himself it's what no man can give you and none can take away and it could just graze in you and then the boy says to him do all kings have honor and he said no all men with honor are kings but not all kings have honor and i think that's the problem we have today where the the kings of our society today that don't have honor are those who who desperately need what they don't even know they need, and that's what we've already got, and that's a sense of community, a sense of brotherhood, and a sense of strength in our in our in numbers and in like-minded thinking. And when we embrace the fact that Bill Gates or Klaus Schwab or Joe Biden or Putin or any of these people are no more important than we are, that's when we start to bring society back where it needs to be. We're all equal. And a lot of people can't come to terms with that, and they're the ones causing all the trouble. Yes, 100%, mate. Disconnecting from com- com- competition back to compassion and collaboration is what we need to do, you know? Um, That's it. This, That's it. This, this division has, uh, has destroyed the world. And, um, uh, you know, I was thinking about it uh, the other day, you know, sort of how things have changed since um, the First World War and Hitler and all that sort of stuff moving forward. Um, you know, you go back to where ego was dominating with the Roman Empire and other other agendas. But at the end of the day, mate, once you're connected to, to your, your truth, your heart, your spirit, your soul, all that type of stuff, you do realise that we're all the same. And, um the, 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 the bullshit mindset that we've been indoctrinated in starts to disappear. You know, if you can start to help more people understand and realise that, <clears throat> then we start to uh, to create a better world. And I think, you know, you're definitely on a, on, on a pathway to that and there's going to be so much more good um, come from your connection, you know, being face-to-face with people rather than sort of being in a cockpit with people behind you. Yeah, that, that's so true. And, um, um yeah, we, we, we've got to manage the situation we find ourselves really carefully. Um, there is as much misinformation on the freedom movement side of the fence as there is on the other side. Um, there are as many egos on the freedom movement side of the fence as there are on the other side. And we all need to be very mindful of that and we all need to make our choices wisely. We all we all need to choose community and, and, and build, build community and follow that combined sense of hope than to pin our hopes on individuals like me or or uh, john larder or ricardo basi or anyone like that i mean we've got to we've got to really focus on what's real and uh, and don't go doing what the germans did and pinning all their hopes on one man to uh, to bring them out of the ashes it's just um for me that's jesus christ he's the one who's going to do that and and every other attempt to try and imitate him is just going to fall flat so we've just got to really trust our own instincts, 
live with honour and integrity, communicate with compassion. Remember that the real measure of a man is not how often he draws his sword, but how often he chooses not to. Mm. And we've got to be the, the change that we want to see. Yes, mate. Listen to the teacher within, you know. That's where yeah. the, all the truth is at the end of the day, mate. So, Hoodie, yeah. um, really appreciate the best is yet to come for you, I think, absolutely. Where's uh, the best place for people to, to follow what you're doing and, um, um, you know, maybe keep, uh, you know, some tabs on your journey and, uh, uh, and, and that as you move forward uh, into the end of the year and next year? Well, it's, it's mainly been Facebook, and I'm, I'm still surprised that Facebook have got me up there. <laughs> uh, I, I, I haven't even been put in Facebook jail, and I don't edit my words or anything. I'm still coming to terms with how that's happening. Mm. And normally when you've got a following of more than 100,000, apparently Facebook take a very close look at you, and I've well surpassed that now. And, um, and so, look, it, I, I, the first platform I post on is Facebook, and then there's BitChute and Rumble and... Um, and uh, there's some Telegram pages where people repost some of the things I do. But for me, it's finding the time to maintain those platforms. I just don't have it. Mm. And uh, the main thing I want to achieve is for people to stay in touch with each other uh, in the old-fashioned ways because the, the, the methods that we use to communicate now may fail and I don't think they're healthy anyway. Yes. I think social media is a pain in the backside. I think we've, we've got to get back to talking to each other over the fence and... Yep. You know, stopping in the main street and having a chat. Um, letters, but yeah, yeah. People, yeah, it's. It, I ask people who do follow me on Facebook to beware of all the fake sites. There's about a dozen fake Graham Hood pages, and they look very authentic. Uh, but just look for the one with 140 odd thousand following, and um, and ignore the others. I don't ask people for money on Facebook or any other way. I don't. I don't. Um, I don't send out friend requests. I don't ask for more information about people. I just don't have the time to do that. So if you're being approached by somebody who says he's me on social media in that vein, just kick it to the curb. <laughs> yeah, mate. Be, uh, be aware of the, uh, the wolf. Uh, and that's, yeah. uh, that's, that's happening a lot, isn't it, uh, in modern society? So, you know, stand, yeah. stand together, you know, get around your, your, your mates, your brothers, you know, your community, your wives, your kids, that sort of stuff, and get back to the real stuff yeah. again, you know. That's what it's all about. Yeah. So. Mate, uh, again, it. appreciate your time. Say good day to Michelle and uh, enjoy the journey. And I'm sure we're going to have some other uh, conversations uh, in the not too distant future. Mate, do you mind if I pray it out? No worries. Okay, dear Lord Father in heaven, I want to thank you for Aaron and the people that he's that he's reaching, Lord and and Father. Without you, um, I don't know where we'd be. But look, you're still in control. We need to accept that you're in control and. Lord, we all need to accept it and remember that what we did yesterday got us to today and what we did today will get us to tomorrow. And thanks be to you for that. Dear Lord, please be with those people who are struggling with anxiety and depression at the moment because of the state of our world and help them to see that this will come to a better end. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm, mate, beautifully said. Thank you very, very much. I'm sure there's lots of, right. uh, lots of wisdom in that one, Graham. So... Uh, it's the first prayer I've heard since I was a little fella, so I really appreciate that. It was some deep, uh, All right. deep content. Thanks there. for letting me do it, mate. It's uh, it's not very fashionable these days, but it works for me. I can tell you. Absolutely, mate. Well, whatever works for 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 the individual is worth sticking to. That's for sure. That's for sure, mate. Cheers, All right. Mate. Thanks so much for having me on, Aaron. It's been really good.